You're listening to Shows That Shaped Me, a podcast by What's On Stage. This week's guest is one of the most in-demand choreographers in British theatre. Drew McConey's choreography credits include Bugsy Malone, Hairspray, Jesus Christ Superstar and In The Heights, for which he won the 2016 Olivier Award for Best Choreography. As both director and choreographer, his credits include The Wild Party at the Other Palace, On The Town at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre and Strictly Ballroom, which opened at the West Yorkshire Playhouse in 2016 and transfers to the West End this month. In October, he makes his Broadway debut at the helm of Jack Thorne's new musical take on King Kong. Here is Drew McConey. I think um, I probably have two uh, productions that feel, you know, like they were really um, kind of key to my development, um, almost memorable. And one was actually a student production. I did a production of Kiss of the Spider Woman at Arts Ed. And I remember it felt like it was probably the first time I came at choreographing something. Um, and it wasn't about imitating or trying to um, reenact or to try and pay homage or anything. It felt like it was something that felt really um, personal and really me. And I remember I was going through a particular time in my life where I had this kind of frustration about something and this kind of frustration, this energy came out in the choreography. And I remember really feeling that while making the material and then also sitting in the auditorium. And I felt like it was the first time I sat in the auditorium and felt um, like really that the, the work was kind of exposing me in a, in a kind of emotional way that people were going to have seen something inside my head that might have been scary or, or, or kind of all too intimate. And I remember really feeling that uh, while making that show and, and the end product. And, and so it really was a massive learning curve uh, for me, that production. And I, and I guess the second one would probably be um, Jesus Christ Superstar, which was at Regent's Park um, a year ago. And I think the, the reason that was really kind of key uh, to me in my development was I was really scared of it. Um, even all the way through the process, I, I met with Tim Sheeda, the director, and in the meeting he said, oh, I really want this really dancey production. And I, in the back of my head, I was thinking, no, you don't. You want some, you know, shuffling nuns and a quick change and a, you know... And uh, and when I got into rehearsals, I you know I it was amazing seeing Tim lay out this vision, and then him staying so true to it and pushing me. So when I was coming up with the material, at the back of my head, I was kind of I wasn't doubting his vision. I was just kind of going, oh god, I think I'm I think I'm overcooking this. I think there's too much. This you know who wants to see Jesus Christ Superstar, which is kind of some physical rave, you know. Um, and all the way through previews, I was terrified of it. I was, you know, talking to Tim a lot about how I was worried about what I was doing. And at the same time, the material was kind of pouring out of me and it was it was felt very personal. It felt like it was coming from a really kinetic place, but I was just worried about it as a production. And so it started off the show that, you know, as we went into previews, I was really worried about it. And, and Tim was really supportive and kept pushing me and kept refining and kept pulling more out of me. And then by the time the show opened, I realized it was possibly the thing that I've been most proud of choreographically in my entire career and I think it was because I was encouraged to follow that feeling inside my chest and inside my tummy and put that intimacy and put that passion on stage and it was about serving some kind of greater vision and not a personal one so it was um it was I think those two for kind of personal reasons and I think they're probably two of the shows that are most kind of uh, they feel the truest of of, of my theatre making. Uh, one of the shows that I saw, um, I think it was 2005, which had this really huge impact on me, was actually Guys and Dolls at the Piccadilly Theatre. And I remember I got like day seats, or well, they weren't seats, it was standing room actually. I was standing at the back of the auditorium, and I remember it being my birthday. And um, I'd kind of taken myself on a whim, got these tickets and stood at the back. And I remember the opening, um, 
having this moment where you know the the kind of it was building and all these dancers were coming on stage and I was like wow this feels great it feels like the West End it feels you know thrilling and there was just this moment where the orchestra hit at this particular moment in the music the whole set lit up and there was a company of like really brilliant men and women and they were like driving the energy downstage and they were going in line side to side doing a kind of three four step across a four four rhythm and I just remember my heart just kind of like coming up into my mouth it was just this lesson of simplicity yet pure theatrical magic that could never be replicated in theatre uh, sorry in, in film and um, and it was just this thing I feel like I've spent the entire rest of my career trying to <laughs> recreate that feeling when when I saw that for the first time in this this kind of moment of truth yet theatrical magic happening right at the same moment and, and it was kind of that was one of the really defining moments that I just fell in love with the event of what everybody was experiencing around me and 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 wanted to try and you know deliver that that kind of that burst of energy um, and then I think maybe a slightly more recent one and one that took me completely by surprise not because I hadn't um, I hadn't you know thought it was going to be great but just I hadn't you know, prepared myself for it was actually Billy Elliot. Um, it had been running actually. I'm embarrassed to say about four years before I actually went to see it. And um, and I went and I'd, I'd said to somebody, um, oh gosh, you know, I still haven't seen um, Billy Elliot, and I've really got to go and see it. And you know, everyone says it's great. And but like I just hadn't got this kind of particular need to see it at the beginning. And I and I went and I remember I was still sending an email as the house lights were going down because I was like, oh, I just got to get this work, 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 work. Email sent, boom, phone in pocket. And then what happened over the next kind of, you know, two and a half hours was I just got so lost in the whole thing with, I just thought the whole thing was magic. I thought it was just, again, pure genius theatre making. And I think the section that, that, that I believe is called the Grandma Song, um, I just wept when I saw it for the first time because I felt like it was, again, so simply done, but just the amount of emotion that had come out of Peter Darling's work and the way that it had come together with all departments um, was just, I mean, I'll never forget it. So it was, it was again, something that I just feel like made me fall deeper in love uh, with theatre making. And then having that wrapped up with the story of a young male dancer and, and I just, I, you know, and I, I ended up seeing the production maybe five or six times and what I always found amazing was every time I went to see it, I cried at least three times and I'm actually not a crier. I know this podcast is probably not going to be doing anything to support that belief, but uh, the, I, I cried, you know, three or four times every time I went to it and every single time I cried at a different moment, which made me believe that the way that the show had been created was so around the, it was so liberating for the actors and the dancers involved in it that it felt like each time there was a special moment to be had by played by a different character it was able to land and 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 I um and I so yeah I would definitely say that um the work of Rob Ashford in in Guys and Dolls and and the the work of uh, Peter Darling in um Billy Elliot I think is, is definitely been two of the most memorable productions that I've ever seen the production that I missed um, is one that um, I wasn't alive for, um, but one that I really wished I'd been around to see. It's actually not a musical, but it, it's, it's a ballet, and it was a ballet of Fancy Free, which was Jerome Robbins' first ballet when he was very young and in, and in the City Ballet in New York. And why I wish I was there was because I think that... You know, at the time in, you know, ballet in America at the time, the, you know, the whole industry was run by, you know, Russians or kind of, you know, European imports. And, and what I love is this idea that there was an American, young American dancer that was looking around his industry and his world at the time and saying, I don't feel represented. I don't feel like the, my art of my country is representing the culture or the spirit that's inside my heart. And he, you know, went to the artistic director, George Balanchine, and said, hey, I've got an idea for ballet. And George Balanchine said, be quiet and get back in the ensemble. And um, he met 
a very, very talented, um, not that he knew he was talented at the time, but a, a, an equally frustrated artist at a house party who said, oh, I, you know, I want to be a composer. I want to, you know, I want to make things and I just feel like all the music out there isn't American and so on and so forth. So these two guys who met at a party decided to start making a ballet. And then obviously, uh, to cut a long story short, of course that man ended up being Leonard Bernstein. And, um, and these two kind of like young lads at a house party ended up making this ballet, even though it wasn't going to go anywhere. No one was going to see it. It was just for their own kind of, you know, creative voice. And then, you know, Leonard Bernstein becomes this overnight, you know, smash kind of, you know, new sensation. Of, I think it was the New York Philharmonic. And they all turned to it as he stepped in for a conductor that was ill very young and became you know the critics adored him and they said oh so what's next for you Leonard Bernstein he's like well I've got this ballet I'm making at the same time um one of these you know dance one of these choreographers in a triple bill um uh, I think Russian pulled out they didn't have a ballet to put on a city ballet Jerome Robbins goes to the director and says guess what I've got a ballet that you can do and you know George Balanchine says oh well you know we'll keep it yeah we'll just keep it quiet we won't tell anyone about it but you can put your ballet into the into the triple film just at the same time as the world's press asked Leonard Bernstein what he's doing because yeah I've got this ballet on at City Ballet of course the world's press descend upon Jerome Robbins first ever ballet and he presents a ballet fancy free and um and from that one moment you know overnight Jerome Robbins and Leonard Bernstein become you know, the world has changed. The world of theatre is changing. It will never be again the same. And I feel like having that buzz, like, ripple through the New York theatre scene where all of a sudden, out of this kind of very high art, very aloof, very elitist kind of, you know, uh, feeling within the community at the time came this sudden burst of energy and, and hope and vibrancy and currency. And, 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 um, and I just wish I'd been there to see that ballet because I'd love to have been one of those young people that suddenly felt that they were being represented like that their voices were being heard the dances that they were doing in the clubs were suddenly on stage and they felt like the, their theater was theirs again and you know and obviously the rest is history about their collaboration um but I, you know i think that yes even though i wasn't alive to be able to see it i wish i was there when that happened because i love that idea of just from one ambition and one voice and one desire to be recognized in the industry could bring such enormous change that people could view theater you know never the same again i think um i'm going to choose two people for who i would most like to work with one uh, is dead um so it's not obviously possible but um i would have uh, really really liked to have worked um with bob fossey um as a dancer um just because i think that uh, he, he you know the way that he used kind of dancers bodies like instruments so and I, I feel like I try and take that very much into my own work now is that I feel like when you look at his work he he the percussive element of the way that he used dancers bodies must have been so thrilling for those dancers because like a like a like a band has you know it only needs a certain amount of trumpets to complement the piano to complement the strings you know that diversity within a company so I would love to have felt that um with him and I think uh, the person I would most like to work with now um, I would probably definitely say is uh, the producer Sonia Friedman um, I think that the work that she is creating um, is just so extraordinary and what I love about it is every single um, every single production that she um, creates um, or works on as a team is um, always art-led always art-driven and, and that it's about pushing forwards actually an emotional route uh, rather than necessarily a commercial or um, a kind of just event um, kind of kind of base. So I would definitely like to, uh, at some point in my career, get the opportunity to work on a production with her because I feel like um, she's incredibly inspiring. Thank you for listening to Shows That Shaped Me, a podcast by What's On Stage. 
If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss out on a single episode. Previous episodes include Rosalie Craig, James Graham and Lindsay Posner.